you're listening to PS Tape Recorder, although it is digital, and I did bring that up to him, okay, and he got very defensive about it, I'm T.J. Miller. I'm P.F., this is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's a two-for-one holiday special. Cincinnati native Mark Shalafu talks to us all the way from New York City, where he moved, oh, about a year ago, uh, to do some comedy. I have seen more growth in this year than I've seen in every single year that I was in Cincinnati combined. Then we talk to another Cincinnati comedian who also moved to New York City a couple of months before Mark did. That is the very funny Dave Waite, and he had a lot of funny things to say to us. I had to put five pieces of uh, chewing gum, that real big gum. I had to put five pieces of that in my mouth and try to do my set and blow bubbles. We'll get to those interviews in just a bit. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. A former Pentagon official says the unmanned U.S. spy plane Iran recently announced it captured appears to be fake. The official said the drone, shown on display in Iran in video footage, is not only the wrong color, but as well as along the wing joints that do not appear to conform to the stealth design standards. And it appears that the captured drone has printed on the underside of the wing the words, Made in China. In a related story, former Vice President Dick Cheney said that President Obama should launch an airstrike on Iran to destroy the drone, along with anyone and anything around it. The State Department responded to the suggestion by saying, Shut up! The European Union continues to move toward a resolution of its debt crisis as members met in Brussels this week to discuss new rules for the continent's financial system. Former Vice President Dick Cheney suggested Barack Obama launch an airstrike against Europe if the debt crisis becomes a further threat to the U.S. economy. Fallout continues from Rick Perry's political ad titled Strong, in which he disparages openly gay Americans from serving in the armed forces and laments that kids can't celebrate Christmas. To further cause controversy and confusion, Perry is now seeking to have the song Deck the Halls banned from schools in Texas. Think about it for a second. Overstock.com, the retailer known for selling distressed merchandise online, was feeling a little distressed itself recently. With household merchandise stacking up in a warehouse, it opened the doors this past week for an auction of goods assembled hodgepodge that had to be purchased together on pallets. One man from Layton, Utah, spent $350 for a leather chair, a dresser, an entertainment center, and a padded bench. He wasn't certain what he bought until he unloaded the boxes into his pickup truck. Said the buyer, yeah, I'll probably just sell this stuff on eBay. BP claims Halliburton Energy Services intentionally destroyed evidence that proved the firm shared the blame for last year's massive Gulf of Mexico oil spill. According to BP's federal court filing this week, Halliburton hid test results showing samples of the cement used to seal BP's Macondo well after it exploded. Former CEO Dick Cheney suggested that Halliburton launch an airstrike on BP and destroy any evidence from the disaster. That'll send a powerful message, he said. And that's been Fake News with me. If you listen to my other podcast, the No Huddle Fantasy Football Podcast, you've heard my next guest quite a bit. His name is Mark Shalafu. He's a stand-up comedian from Cincinnati, Ohio, now living in New York City. And he moved there uh, shortly after another comedian from Cincinnati moved there, Dave Waite. We're going to talk to both of them. First, we're going to talk to Mark, and then we're going to talk to Dave right after that. Here are our interviews with Mark Shalafu and Dave Waite. Okay, joining us on PF State Recorders, Mark Shalafu, who you may have heard on the uh, football podcast that we do. Mark, how's it going? 
Uh, it's going fantastic. I'm just dominating your podcast life lately. And yes, I love you, it. yes, you are. I think you now have set the record for podcast appearances, topping Kostaki Economopolis and Paul Mercurio. I would like a championship belt for that honor. <laughs> yeah, we'll get a, we'll get a ring for you. Where you can get a ring. Um, so uh, to catch people up to speed here, you uh, were living in Cincinnati. Uh, you were working for a sports radio station, and you were doing stand-up comedy in the area, and decided to take the plunge and head to New York City. Yeah, and it uh, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Oh, great! I was I was born and raised in Cincinnati, so I, I kind of felt like it was time for a change anyway, just on that front. Yeah, and uh, you know, for somebody who's ADD as I am, like living in a place like New York, it's been pretty awesome for me. Oh, cool! So um, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing there when you're doing comedy in New York. You're doing, you know, uh, a show a night at least, or a couple shows a night. Uh, is that pretty much the schedule? Yeah, I mean, uh, my schedule the way it's kind of been able to shake out pretty nicely. I do about eight to ten shows a week. Um, I try and usually hit them pretty hard during the week, and then unless I'm booked on something specific on the weekend, I try and take a few days off to uh, put in some effort on the marriage side of things too. There you go. Like that. Well, that's that's perfect. Um, so have you see you've been there? Uh, I guess a year has it been now? Yeah. Okay. So have you seen a, a much greater deal of growth between your year there and then your years doing stand-up in Cincinnati where maybe you only got on once a week or uh, once every other week even? Yeah, actually, I have seen more growth in this year than I've seen in every single year that I was in Cincinnati combined. Oh, cool. It's insane. It really is. And I talk about that. There is a group of comics out here from the Ohio area. We kind of banded together and uh, we've made some other friends. So it's good to have you know your group of people. But we talked about this. And just in what we used to think was improvement, and we're embarrassed at that now. We we talk about what we thought was, you know, having a good work ethic in Cincinnati, and when we lived there, the amount of shows we do and the amount of new material we do, and now we, you know, look at what we do here, and we're just embarrassed that we thought that was going to cut it, that was going to be enough. And uh, it's been dramatic how much better. Just You get better just going up every single night, too. You know, that's something that uh, when you get those kind of repetitions, you're going to get better no matter how awful you are to begin with. But just the fact that, you know, you get a lot of stage time here and uh, you're surrounded by so many, so many good comics that it really forces you to stay on your game and keep writing, and that makes you a lot better, too. As your uh, act taking a certain direction uh, thematically, are you talking about, like, certain things in a certain way uh, now that you've been doing it for, for so long there? Yeah, I feel like now that I've done, you know, three years into it, that I've kind of started to find my voice a little bit better. And I know they say it takes, like, a good seven years before you really understand what you want to do, but I feel like I'm definitely getting a lot closer. And uh, I'm doing stuff that's a little bit more personal to me sometimes, and I'm, I'm doing stuff from my own life, which is uh, a trend that I started to, to move towards when I was in Cincinnati. And uh, I'm getting kind of away from just, uh, here's a, a funny thought I had about this. And hey, this is completely unrelated to that. But what about this weird thing that I'm thinking about? And uh, it really had no flow. It didn't really. Nothing went together. It was kind of sloppy when I was in Cincinnati. Everything since I've been out here, I've been able to tighten things up a lot more. And uh, you know, I threw out everything I've done in the past three years, basically, or past two years after I moved here, and then started everything fresh. But it does definitely is a more cohesive feel to it. And uh, I just. The biggest thing for me, too, is just loving the process. Because uh, it can be, a, like, 
it can be a grind out here. People think that, you know, New York City, they think, oh, yeah. oh the comedy, big bright lights, you know, it, it must be amazing. But the shows that I did in Cincinnati, you know, I might have only done one a week, but they were definitely a higher caliber show in terms of audience than most of the sets I do here because there's so much comedy in the city, which is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because you can get up a lot. It's a good thing because you do shows with, you know, really, really good comedians who are doing the same, you know, crappy room that you're in. It's also a bad thing because most of those shows are for 8 to 10 people. Some of those shows are for all comic audiences. So the audiences are much harder to find a good one out here. But uh, it makes you a lot better. It really does. It's a grind. And, and that's been the biggest thing for me is just keeping my nose down and, and working hard and sticking to it whether I want to get up that night or not. So what's the average length of a set when you do get on? Is it five, seven minutes? What's the... Um, in New York, most of the sets are, I would say, like seven, eight minutes on a show. There are some shows where they're longer. There are, uh, like I've done some sets that are, good, you know, 20, I think 20 minutes is probably the longest set I've done on here. Maybe in a special circumstance, uh, maybe a little bit longer than that. And then there are some shows, too. There are some open mics that are really good that are, you know, like two, two minutes long. You go up and you do one or two jokes. And that's it. But those are usually good mics because they're at cool theaters and some of the better comics are there. And you also, they're easier to sit through because open night comedy, as I'm sure a lot of people are aware of, it can be a very difficult task to tolerate. Yes. And it doesn't get easier when you're one of the comedians either. But doing some of those shorter mics, you know, you get to hear somebody do a couple of things they're working on. And if they suck, they're gone in two minutes. But that has been another big adjustment for me, too, because in Cincinnati, I was like, you know, this is my five minutes. When I started, I was like, here's my five-minute set. I'm going to do it everywhere. And I kind of built an act, you know, in, in little five-minute chunks, whereas here, I don't have as good a feel on, like, my timing since I'm doing so many sets, so many new things, and, you know, like, in one night, I might do a set that's two minutes long, and then after that, I'll go run and do a ten-minute spot, and then I'll close up with, like, a six-minute spot. You just don't have as good a feel on how long certain things are. So, what's the most memorable set you've had there? Like, the most memorable evening, that is say. a fantastic question. Um, I would say, I guess two come to mind. One was a show that I did in the Village at a theater underground, which was uh, fantastic. I guess it was like the 100th show that they had or something like that. It's been a, it's been a weekly thing that's been going on for a long time, so it was packed. And it was just uh, it was an amazing crowd and a fantastic set. The other one I would have to say, at least from a memorable standpoint, would be an audition I did at the comic strip, uh, which was probably about a month ago now. And it's just weird because uh, the club, you know, it's a great club. It's a historic club, all that. Um, but for their audition night, they, I think they're trying to like film like a pilot or something so they've got it it's set up like an american idol type thing where they have like three really good comics who are well known and travel the country and stuff they're like judges along with the booker from the club and then um the owner of the club basically you go out you do your set and then you get feedback from them like right there in front of everybody which is sort of a nerdy to begin with but you add into the fact that they tape it for an online audience I think they're just doing that because they're trying to get a good pilot and then maybe shop it around. Oh, okay. But they've got like a three-camera shoot. You know, when wow. you're in a green room waiting to go on, there's a, it's just you and a camera guy in like a dark room. 
they've got a smoke machine, so there's like smoke filling in the room, and it's like hazy, and it's just like a giant light from this camera. You're trying to listen to the headset of the sound guy to see when it's time for you to go out there and step out, and they've got kind of extra lights out there. You know, you can see the camera guys moving around, um, and then the crowd is like at least 40% tourists at most of these big clubs anyway. So you're kind of worrying about, you know, what, like, local references do I have? Not local, per se, in New York, but just, like, American. Like, are they going to laugh at a joke about Applebee's? Are they going to understand what Applebee's is? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're thinking about that. You're watching, like, these judges. You, you know, there's all these extra lights. There's people with TV cameras moving around. So that's a little unnerving. This is the first experience I've had of that. But uh, it was a great time and a great set. Brilliant, man. How's that? Sounds great. Um, well, do you need me to give you any clips or anything about the shows for next week? Say they're awesome or any of that? Well, I think people know that. I think the thing I'm going to drill, drill in on is the fact that, you know, the, the Mark Shalafu that left Cincinnati is much different than the one that's going to return to Go Bananas. So, exactly. Uh, be, it, it, yeah. You know what? The same can be said for Dave Wade. Like, I yeah. saw he's grown so much in the past year, it's fantastic. And he's become a hell of a comic. Yes. Yes, I've always liked Dave, even back in the day. Uh, so yeah, this would be yeah, a Yeah, it's crazy. I used to think that he was comfortable on stage back in the day, but since he's been out here, he's gotten way more comfortable. It's fun to watch him. Cool. All right, man. Well, uh, send me the number, and I'll dial up Dave here, and then uh, we'll, we'll talk we'll to Dave. Do. All right. Thanks, man. I'll do it right now. All right. Bye. Joining us on PS Tape Recorder, it's comedian Dave Wait. Dave, how's it going? Uh, it's going great. I haven't spoken to you in a while, since probably since you left town. I think I spoke to you once when you came back from uh, New York City. Oh, you know what it was? It was before you did uh, Live at Gotham? Or right after yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, that's when it was. Yeah. So that's uh, that's been a while. You've been in New York City ever since. Is that correct, pretty much? Uh, I stayed in Cincinnati like another year after that, and then okay. I've been out here since last September. Okay. And uh, so how's it been going in New York City? I understand you're doing a lot of gigs each day. Yeah, I mean, I'm going out every night doing shows and then going, still going out on the road all across the country. So, you know, I'm probably, uh, it seems like I do a show every night because there's a lot of comedy. Yeah, there is. Um we kind of covered some of this ground with Mark as far as, you know, being in New York versus being, you know, in the Midwest, like in a, a market like Cincinnati. How is the Dave Waite that left Cincinnati different comedically than the the Dave Waite that's coming back uh, to do the shows here for Christmas? Uh, I think I'm, I just, all the stage time, I think I'm probably a little bit more of a sharper, sharper on stage. And uh, is your... But, you know, the... Still the same same guy overall. I just feel like uh, I feel like I'm a lot sharper on stage now. Okay. Um, in terms of uh, delivery or uh, being able to shift material around, or in just delivery and feeling comfortable up there, I I feel like I get rattled less now, and I just uh, yeah. That's you, you know, never struck me as a guy that got rattled, <laughs> even back when. Uh, 
you know, you were kind of on the, the trailing end of the pro am. You were more of the, the pro end of the pro am nights. We had, had to explain to people outside of the market in Cincinnati the uh, open mic here at the club. Uh, uh, Dave comes from in Cincinnati. There, instead of an open mic, it's called a pro am for pro and amateur, and they mix uh, mostly amateurs like me with pros like Dave and Mark Shalafu, and it's a great show. Dave was on the pro side of that when I started doing open mics, and boy, it just seemed like you were very smooth then. I uh, we're in for a real treat now, I guess, when you come back. Yeah, yeah. Also, I think it's helped my writing a lot, like to be able to write something. Uh, early in the day and then go find out if it works like three hours oh, yeah. later like you have that you can do that every day you know you can get a, a new joke up and working in like a, you know a week you know you can find out if it works in a week instead of you know sometimes in the Midwest you don't have that as many opportunities to get up on stage so it takes a little bit time longer to hone a new piece so how many shots does it take before you think, ah, maybe this wasn't such a hot idea? Or, you know, on the other hand, how many shots does it take when you think, yeah, this is really, uh, this is really hitting? I would say after the, if I really believe in it, the first time I can, I have an idea, like, I'm like, all right, even if it doesn't go well the first time, I like, I like the, if I like the idea of it, then, you know, after, you know, five or six times, I know it's a joke that can work, and then, you know, then it takes, like, months for it to be, like, really awesome, I oh, think. okay. So, are, but are there jokes you, uh, that maybe don't work as well as you would hope, and you, you you still cling to and come back to and say, well, okay, now I'm going to try this, you know, after a month or so, I'm going to try this again, because I really believe in the in the, in the the punchline or whatever. Did, did that, does that happen very often? Yeah, that happens sometimes, you know, sometimes it's more of a general idea, where I write about something, and then... I can't figure it out, and then I come back to it later and it, give it give it a fresh set of eyes and really plow forward with it from there. So what kind of things are you talking about on stage these days? Kind of the same things you were, but uh, just with a, a slightly different approach, or uh, have you started adopting new things? I'm starting to talk about relationships a little bit more. That's a new thing for me. I think uh, my act used to be about trying to find ladies, and now it's more about how to... Entertain them once I've actually found one. <laughs> so has that been easier in New York? I guess since I mean you're just out amongst a lot more people, you're seeing a lot more people because you're doing shows every night. Uh, is the relationship, I guess, uh, landscape a lot different than when you were back here in Cincinnati? I don't know per se. I mean, there's definitely more people, so there's more opportunities. Yeah. So um, I think I think people are a little bit more open here in terms of. That I don't know. I'm still not complete, uh, but I don't know. You got me on that one. Well, do you still do you still feel like a, a Midwesterner in uh, in New York City, or do you feel just more like a, uh, someone now is has been in New York City for a while and happens to come from the Midwest? I still feel like a Midwesterner. I probably always will. You know, I yeah. I, I'm upset. There's not an Arby's. There's not an Arby's in Manhattan or Queens. Oh. I haven't found an Arby's up here. Oh wow, it's weird. Yeah, yeah I, know. I know. I tell you, it's the greatest city on earth, and there's no Arby's, so <laughs> I'm not convinced yet. <laughs> That's a good one. That's cool. Um, so, like, what are some of the uh, more memorable shows you've done in, in New York City? Either in just yeah, I did a show last night. It was called See You in Hell, and it was like a theme show. And each person, they had like a one of those bingo turners, and uh, each each ball had a different 
hell on it per se. Like okay. one person had to hold a live frog while they did the show, while okay. they did their set. Another person had to do different accents when somebody yelled out, do an English accent. They had to do this part of their set in English accent, and then they would yell out Jamaican. They had to do it like that. I ought to dug that. Uh, That's right in my wheelhouse. My, my hell was I had to put five pieces of, like, Bubba Hubba, uh, Hubba chewing gum, that real big gum. I had to put five pieces of that in my mouth and try to do my set and blow bubbles. Oh, wow. And, st- <laughs> and tell jokes still, or just, just have to do that? Yeah, just tell, do your act while you're oh chewing God. this gum. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, there's all sorts of there's all sorts of weird shows like that up here. Mm. You know, theme shows. You, you know, people. The standard. I mean, there's tons of standard comedy shows. Yeah. I I I run one uh, with Mark out in Queens at this uh, place called Restaurant, <laughs> which is maybe one of the hardest places to Google. Hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why they named it that. But. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, it, I haven't really heard too much. I mean, I know there's shows where they're like storytelling shows where you know, just to tell a story about you know, some personal growth or some or maybe a relationship story, but I've never heard ones where uh, you do some, you know, such wacky things like, you know, do accents or, or stuff gum in your mouth. Um, so what other sorts of things do you do in New York City when you're not doing comedy? What, what, what else takes up your time? Is it, uh, have you adopted different things to do in your off time than when you were back here? No, I, I still waste time very efficiently in New York City. As well. I, I, uh, I, have a, I have a Netflix subscription, which I think every comedian has now. And there you I go. slowly try to watch every movie possible. I watched, I watched all the Clint Eastwood movies for like over two weeks one time. Wow. And, yeah, they're fun. And does that, does that seep into the act at any point, at least as far as like pop culture references or uh, maybe things you just happen to observe about maybe, you know, culture back in the 70s versus now, or? Nah, I always stray away from pop culture references. I mean, if people can make them work, God bless them, but I don't know. I just, I feel like everybody is so diverse in our experiences that it's really hard to, and, you know, you, you have to entertain people from all walks of life. So, I mean, it's not like I'm trying to accommodate those people, but, I don't want to just. I feel like this. Like if I was to use a pop culture reference in a joke, the strength of the joke itself would have to be able to work without it. Like it's just an added little piece for. So is coming back to Cincinnati. Is that like an extra special gig for you? As opposed, to if you were going out to I don't know uh, Virginia Beach, Virginia, or uh, or even Cleveland for that matter. Who would... Oh man, I love Virginia Beach. <laughs> oh, they have a great comedy club there. That's why I mentioned that one because there's there's, there's uh, an improv there with a lot of the guys uh, play. So I'm not 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 putting the kibosh or putting the um, putting the knock on Virginia Beach or Cleveland. I'm just saying, you know, is is it extra special coming back home to do uh, a show versus? Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, 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 it'll be it'll be an amazing time, and it'll be fun that. Do some of my newer jokes for people, you know. I mean, I still have some of the, some of the older stuff from my my record that came out this year. Oh, that's right. And, uh, cool, man. All right. So, so yeah, and uh, it'll be good to see everybody. And you know, Go Bananas is is my favorite club to perform at, and uh, it, it, it's gonna it's gonna be a blast. Cool, man. Yeah, this is gonna be a great show. Sounds like things are going well for you, and uh, continue success to you there in New York City, and uh, have a safe trip back home here. 
and uh, I'll talk to you soon. All right, man. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Dave. Bye. Thanks again to Mark Shalafu and Dave Wade for joining us on the podcast today. Going to dismiss you early for holiday break, uh, but I do want to wish you a uh, Merry Christmas. But our kids can't openly celebrate Christmas. Of course they can, Governor Perry. In fact, I'm going to such a party at my little girl's school today. Anyway, uh, Happy New Year. Happy other whatever holidays you're, you're celebrating. Oh, and can't forget, uh, you know, don't want to leave anybody out. Happy Boxing Day. That'll, of course, be the day after Christmas to our Canadian and English friends. Happy Hanukkah, of course. Uh, happy Kwanzaa. Happy, uh, let me see, was anything else coming up? I guess that's it. I guess I hope everybody covered there. And uh, we'll have links, of course, on the Podbean page to uh, the Go Bananas comedy show there with uh, Dave Waite and Mark Shalafu. That is uh, December 21st through the 23rd. That's a Wednesday through a Friday of next week. And all the details will be, again, on our Podbean site. If you're listening uh, any other way than Podbean, like, say, via iTunes, go to pfradio.podbean.com, and uh, we'll get you all straightened out and all the uh, links for the show and everything like that. Uh, Other than that, that's all I've got. Uh, So long, and thanks for listening. 